0: I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome to a new week, Solar Warrior. Here we go. This is Two for Tuesday. Whether that's a Tactical Tuesday or just content from one of our many live events like SPI Podcast Lounge, this is going to be a short-form conversation, typically, with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career. And grow with us here on Suncast, as I know you will. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. Remember... You can always find the resources and learn more about today's guests and recommendations in the blog at mysuncast.com. So get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. Here we go with another powerful conversation on Suncast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Great Debate Solar Series. We are here for the 2021 version of this series that my friend Tor Solar Fred Valenza and I started back in 2020. My name is Nico Johnson. And I'm so thankful that you are joining us live. See the numbers ticking up here. And uh, you'll have to bear with me if my Wi Fi plays well, then you'll be able to see all this in real time. Nonetheless, we're recording and we will be able to replay it. Thanks to those of you who are watching live, I'll remind you that you can leave a comment in whatever platform you're on. And we, by the magic of multimedia, will receive that comment in our studio. We'll be able to serve it up to our guests and our amazing host, Tor Valenza. And we're going to have some fun here today. The Great Debate Solar Series, if you missed it, is something that Tor and I launched in the, the fall of 2020 with our friends from Solar Power events where we have solar experts debate the hottest topics facing the solar industry as I mentioned before I'm your host for this fun event my name is Nico Johnson I'm with suncast media and I'm really looking forward to a lively discussion today between three residential solar financing experts that I know you are going to love it's going to be a lot of fun if you are uh, uh, if you are not joining us live but nonetheless, watching this as a replay, I would like to thank you for joining us in any regard. Still leave your comments. We'll be watching them. We'll be hoping that you are sharing this on Twitter or whatever other platforms you prefer. My preference is LinkedIn. I know that Tor Solar Fred is super active on Twitter. But these discussions are so important as we grow and scale our solar industry and the storage industry. So I'd like to say thank you For First and foremost, to Solar Power Events and TOR, Solar Fred, Valenza of Unthink Solar Marketing Communications, for helping support this series and bring it all together today. Uh, These debates will be coming to you in a series over the coming months. This is one of five. The fifth on our road to SPI, the road to New Orleans with North America Smart Energy Week, will happen live on a live stage. That's right live can you believe it at the solar power conference for north america spi in new orleans i do hope you're going to join us there i hope that you've already bought your tickets booked your airfare got in your hotel room we'll tell you all about how you can join us in new orleans as this again is the road to new orleans it's going to be a lot of fun i can't even believe that we're talking about having an actual event in person in 2021 I hope that you'll join us there. But now, without further ado, uh, for our first great debate series of 2021, representatives from the residential solar finance industry, as I mentioned, will discuss the value of their respective financing solutions for supporting the consumers and installers in the solar industry. I'll note this is meant to be a friendly and informative debate, but all of our participants are rather passionate about how their financing can help grow the U.S. residential solar industry. Here to introduce them and moderate this conversation, your friend and mine, Mr. Tor Solar Fred Valenza. Tor, why don't you come up on stage with me, buddy?
1: Hey, Nico. How
0: you doing, my friend? Good to see you.
1: Boy, this is really an exciting event, and uh, I the last debate if you guys didn't catch it was great, and I'm sure this one's going to be just as good and the, the coming ones.
0: I look forward to you doing an amazing job Tor. I'm going to say uh, bid adieu as you can have more room here on, in the in the stage for our our esteemed guests, but it's so good to see you, man. I can't wait to see you in person in New Orleans. I'll be back up at the end of the show to say goodbye
1: We'll see you then thanks, Nico. All right, everybody. So we have three great dynamic debaters here, uh, and I'm so grateful, and we're so grateful that they decided to join us and to lend their voices to the great solar debate series. Uh, so let me introduce them now. Uh, in the property assessed clean energy or Pace corner is uh, Grayson, sorry Grayson Fraser, director of sales in Southern California for Pace Funding Group. Representing Thank power you. purchase agreements or PPAs is Na- Megan Nugding. Ah, let me do that again. I'm sorry, Megan. Uh, representing power purchase agreements or PPAs is Megan Nutting. She's the executive vice president of policy and communications at the Sonova Energy Company. Uh, and in third and final corner, we have Doug. Pierce, uh, the director of field sales at SunGage Financial, he will be representing solar homes. Welcome, everybody.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Dor. Thanks for having us, Dor.
1: Yep. Uh, so um, before we get started, just some simple ground rules. This is sort of like the presidential debates. Everybody's going to get two minutes um, after to respond to the question. We have uh, five questions. Um, we'll, uh, then open it up, uh, for one minute responses. If, if any, um, I might have some follow-up questions and I'll call you out and you'll have one minute for that. And, um, basically we all have agreed not to talk over each other. So just raise your hand if you've got something to say. All right. So, um, let's go to our first question. So, um, First of all, we're talking about consumers buying, you know, uh, or, or somehow financing solar installer, solar systems. Um, and this question is about the value to them and not just, you know, about the ROI and payback, but there's also simplicity, there's convenience, um, and there's other aspects. So with that in mind, why do you each feel that your type of financing provides the best value for uh, consumers. So Grayson, um, what about you? you have got two minutes to tell why PACE loans are the best value for consumers, and we're gonna start right now.
3: Great, thanks, Thor. So yeah, although solar can offer benefits in regards to savings from the utility and eventually pay for itself, you know, with traditional lending, it still shows as debt. And we're talking, you know, 25, 35, $50,000 sometimes, and, You know, PACE financing, it doesn't show up as debt. You know, it doesn't show up on a credit report, more like a tax assessment on the home. It's not going to affect the customer's ability to borrow elsewhere. Um, Like I said, it stays with the property. And one of the biggest kind of benefits to that is it gets paid for the property taxes. And on that note, you know, the interest rate is always super important with any type of financing, but especially solar. And, you know, with PACE, the interest can be tax deductible to homeowners so that can increase their savings, you know, even more over time. Um, Another thing to kind of talk about when it comes to convenience and simplicity is there's really no money out of pocket. So up until, you know, their next property tax bill cycle, which could be this November or the following November and, you know, following November, it's 18 months away. So they can enjoy their solar system for up to 18 months with, you know, not making a payment on it um, still enjoying those benefits they would get with their, with their solar Um, just from a really simple point of view too. It's, you know, people who own homes, they pay their property taxes. You know, this just gets rolled into something they're already paying. So it's not like a separate, separate bill. Um, So kind of keep some things simple there. And as for the homeowners who may worry about like maybe not getting approved, we don't look at FICO scores. So, on average, we do approve more people in general. So, it takes a little worry out of uh, out of it for homeowners. So.
1: Thanks. All right, just under the two minute mark. Uh, what about you, Megan? Why are PPAs the best value financing for residential solar? We got two minutes starting now.
4: All right. Um, Well, I work for a company called Sonova Energy Corporation. We are a residential solar and storage services provider. So we actually offer PPAs, leases and loans. Uh, But on the PPA front, they're fantastic for customers, for homeowners, because there's no upfront cost um, for homeowners to install solar on their roofs, which can be a huge hurdle to overcome if there's no financing option. Um, In addition, PPAs are priced so that customers save money, so that the the price of the PPA is less than the retail utility rate. Um, and on that note, it's a hedge against in- increasing utility rates. I don't think I can't name an example of a utility rate going down. Um, in, in in my lifetime and so as, as utility rates go up you know what your electricity rate's going to be for the solar that you purchase um, so I know it's especially you know it's, it's popular with um, with people on fixed incomes because that way they know what they'll be paying for electricity um, possibly for the rest of their lives um, at the same time with a PPA it's a it's a power purchase agreement so that you only pay for the energy you produce um, you don't pay for more you don't have to overpay it's just whatever your system produces that's what you pay for Um, the solar on your roof increases your home value and also it's really important to have a system where your production is monitored so you can make sure that your system is functional um, at the same time, not everyone has the tax appetite to claim the investment tax credit. And so that, that makes PPAs really valuable and really useful. So there's people, once again, on fixed incomes. There's low-income families. Um, and my company serves Puerto Rico as well. And Puerto Ricans don't pay federal taxes, and so they can't claim the ITC. Um, PPAs have access to a permanent 10% investment tax credit for whenever the, the ITC drops, Um, And on top of that, uh, PPA providers like Synova pay for insurance and provide service for the life of the contract on, on everything we offer. It comes with the service and something definitely will go wrong over the 20 to 25 years of your system's life.
1: Okay, Megan. Sorry, I I, uh, did not watch the clock myself and I I should have been done better. So she had an extra 10 seconds there. But I hope that's okay with everybody. Uh, All right, now we're up to Doug. Why are loans the best value for consumers uh, in buying solar?
2: Yeah, thanks. I think one of the unique parts of our industry and it's been exciting to be part of for a little over a decade and a half now is the fact that we have so many options that are available to consumers. So I think the reality is for most homeowners, there's a fit for them. There's not one size that fits all. And uh, I think we'll all find today that some folks are lease customers or PPA customers, some are PACE and some are LOAN. I think when you step back and look at the the broader market, where loans fit into that really comes into flexibility and uh, providing a product that's, that's good for the consumer, not just in the short term, but in the long term. So, you know, I think when you, when you look back at where we've come since I've certainly been in the industry, you know, there was a time that, that loans were really not existent for solar. And in 2014, 72% of people finance their solar through a PPA. And, you know, nowadays that that number is down to a little bit under 30%. So I think what we're finding is that consumers are educating themselves on the advantages of, of, of owning solar and loan provides a really low cost capital, easy way to, to get there. Uh, loans in particular, especially with, with SunGate, where where I work, uh, we provide really flexible opportunities for different payment options. You have 5, 10, 15, 20, or 25-year terms. That helps the consumer pick a payment that's good for them, but it also helps our product adapt to different markets and allow different uh, you know payments that fit those, those different markets. So... One one final piece is that there's, you know, a convenience to uh, the ease of closing the sale in the home and consumers are generally looking for a fast, easy process to be able to go solar. So a conventional solar loan like ours is designed to provide them a low monthly payment up front, maintain that low monthly payment and allow them to really own all of the incentives that are available with solar. These include federal tax credits, some state incentives, all of those. So... I think when you're, as a consumer, able to materialize and 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 take all of that, that's uh, really where the value comes. And I think that's why we've seen the, the market really shift over the last decade to, to ownership.
1: Okay. Thanks, Doug. Um, would someone like to follow up to any of these points? We've got some questions from uh, the uh, people on LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, they have some questions, but what about you guys? Want to follow up? Yep. Megan, let me give you one minute starting now.
4: All right. Can't tell me when I'm running out of time. I will, um, sorry. One, one thing I think that's really important as we consider all of this, um, and and to be honest, since my company offers loans, I'm, I'm fully supportive of loans. But one big distinction there is the service side of things. Um, something will go wrong over the, over the life of your system. You're going to have to replace the inverter at least once, probably the monitor at least twice. Um, like I said, we do a lot of work in Puerto Rico, and when hur- hurricanes Irma and Maria hit, a lot of systems were damaged, and we replaced and fixed all of those at no cost to our customers. So even if there's a manufacturer warranty, it might cover the actual panel or a part, but it doesn't cover labor costs, it doesn't schedule that labor for you, um, and as natural disasters like hurricanes and wildfires happen more, you want to make sure that your system is is functional. So that's that's a really critical part to think about in, in all of this, um, and PPAs definitely come with service.
1: That's good. Uh, so that is an important point that PPAs include O and M, uh, Grayson and and Doug. And do you guys want to respond to that?
2: I, I can jump in. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a really great, a great point, Megan. I've, I've seen the, certainly the market shift in my time in solar. Um, one unique part, I think, as solar has become more of a mainstream you know, product and we're starting to see more of a mass adoption is manufacturers are in a better place. And, and I've seen a lot of manufacturers certainly offering a lot of their warranties as a wrapped 25 year labor and material warranty. Uh, certainly doesn't cover everything. But given that the incentives go to the consumer, the net savings for, for a loan versus the PPA are, are generally much, much greater. So, you know, say the lifetime savings require you to take a, f- a few hundred bucks of that to, to service the equipment. You're still way ahead on, on the solar loan. Also, the insurance industry has come a, a long way. Uh, what used to seem like a pretty risky asset is certainly a lot more stable today. And there's a lot more insurance O&M, you know, aftermarket type type products that you can get to wrap all that stuff which even added to a loan payment is still generally a lot cheaper
3: than, than a PPA.
1: Thanks, Doug. Uh, Grayson, anything to, to add? Mm,
3: not too much on that. I mean, we, we finance the system. Um, and then after that, it's kind of between the, the homeowner and the contractor. Uh, but I had a quick question for, for Megan. Do you guys do prepaid PPAs and PPAs or, or both or just one or the other? I'm, no, I'm more just curious.
4: We do. Yeah, we have something called a flex PPA. Um, and that's where you can buy down your starting solar rate with an upfront payment. So say your, your payment's 15 cents a kilowatt hour, you can buy it down to 10 or zero. And then you get a discount for paying the, the entire thing in full and, and potentially lock in no solar payments for 25 years. Um, but we still offer service for the full 25 years if you do that.
3: Got it.
1: Cool. Wow, good. Um, This is, again, why we do this debate. There's so much useful information for people to compare and contrast. Um, I'm going to bring in just one quick uh, question from YouTube, um, from Kevin. Uh, He says, increasing the value of the home has been seen as a disincentive by a customer on a fixed income because it increases their annual tax cost. Um, Who has some thoughts about
3: that? So yeah, go for it, Megan.
4: No, no, you you go ahead. I'll I'll go after.
3: Um, I mean, I just I get asked this all the time on the property tax kind of side of things, and I mean, realistically, for property taxes to be adjusted for a homeowner, um, which I think is what Kevin's talking about, you know, you have to have a pretty big increase in the property value, which is usually done by you know additions or ADUs. Um, I don't think the value that the home goes up justifies kind of a reassessment of the property taxes so it it doesn't really it doesn't really happen um at least on the property tax side of things
1: and i would like to add that i believe at least in california and possibly other states um the value of um the 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 value of solar is not assessed as part of it so you're exempt from that um, at least in california and maybe other states am i am i right about that uh megan
4: Yeah, exactly. So a lot of states exempt residential solar from property taxes. Um, In some states, it's fairly clear that they're exempt, but you still have some property tax assessors trying to do it. Um, And those states are definitely battlegrounds on the property tax front. So I know we've had fights about that. Um, Well, California is exempt for now, although that exemption runs out and we'll have to fight it again, I think in 2024. Um, Arizona I know we've had that conversation Um, the Texas legislature almost voted on a bill a couple days ago to um, clarify the property tax exemption and then they didn't put it on the calendar Um, South Carolina did just pass a property tax exemption making it clear and I know Connecticut's considering one too Um, although to me it's already fairly clear in statute and and um, and I think New York also has an exemption. Those, those are just the states I know best. But so a number of states have exemptions to property taxes. Um, and if yours doesn't, you should definitely be fighting for one.
1: Great. Great, useful information, again, very exciting. Okay, let's move on to question two. Um, so now we've discussed uh, the value to uh, solar homeowners or potential solar owner homeowners. What about your financing solutions for the other side of the transaction to the installers? How is your type of financing going to grow their business? Um, Megan, let's start with you. Um, you've got two minutes.
4: All right. Perfect. Um, So we work really closely with dealers all across the country. We have over 500 um, dealers that we partner with, all um, local business owners, small business owners who know their local markets, and they're really critical to to the growth of this industry. They are the engine of growth in this industry. Um, And so we try to do everything we can to make their lives better and easier. What's important for um, for for residential solar salespeople and installers is that they have all the arrows in their quiver that are available. You want to be able to offer a lot of options to customers. And so you can make sure that you get the sale. So you want to have the cash option. You want to have PPAs, leases, loans, Um, all of it. And so that way you respond to what the customer needs are. And at the same time, you don't wanna train salespeople on a lot of platforms. You wanna have one platform where they can go to get all of the different options that might possibly work for a customer. Otherwise they'll only sell one thing and then that that will cut out some potential customers. Um, at the same time, you want to know that the customer's taken care of so that you get a referral. So that's where, once again, where service comes in, you want to make sure the system is functioning five, 10 years into its life, 25 years into its life. So that way, when their friends are asking them whether or not they should go solar and who they should work with. They work with you because their system is still functional. Um, So it's all about referrals and all about the relationship with the customer. Um, At the same time, we, since we're a large provider, a large service provider, we can use our relationship to get better pricing um, on modules, inverters, and other things, which is good for dealers and customers because we have that purchasing power.
1: Great, all right, with 22 seconds to spare, so you made up for the extra time I gave you last time, and it was my fault again. Okay, uh, we're going to you, Doug. Uh, Why are loans the best financing partner for installers? Um, go, you got two minutes.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when you think of the solar sales process, it's, it's generally fairly complex, right? You've, you've got a homeowner that's trying to figure out how it's gonna look, how are the economics going to play out for them? What are they eligible for? What manufacturer do they want to go with? So there's, there's a ton of questions that that can come up. And I think the when it comes down to the financing aspect, it generally comes towards the end of the conversation. So, you know, kind of where we step in and uh, the solar loan industry steps in is we make that transaction really, really easy. And, you know, most of our partners have, have really decided and made the business decision to sell you know, in their eyes, what's best for the consumer, which is to put a lot of the incentives and the, the federal and local incentives in the hands of the homeowner. And so by giving them that option, they need a uh, you know kind of at the consumer's level, easy way to to close the sale. And I think that's that's an important piece. So, you know, we have mobile optimized portals that allow our, our reps to go in and, and see, you know, and, and project savings, provide really easy proposals for homeowners to understand the value proposition. Uh, in addition to this, they, they're also able to, to go in and and pick different terms and rates and things like that that are, are gonna fit the consumer's needs. So it provides them a bunch of tools uh, to, to, to close the sale. On the backside, uh, providing a service to the installer to help navigate their pipeline is also crucial. So making sure that, you know, we have, on, on at SunGage, we have a, a, a team of folks that their entire job is to work with our partners to help push projects forward, help them identify landmines, you know, potential issues with certain projects. And it really gives them a lot of control into what their uh, their pipeline can look like. Uh, I think one of the, the last pieces too is, You know, understanding that getting paid is sometimes a a hard, a hard problem, and having a payment process on our side where you know the money is there, you don't have to chase a homeowner for the check, um, is is really valuable and makes it easy.
1: Thanks, Doug. Okay, Grayson, up to you. What is why is Pace the best uh, financing value for installers? You've got two minutes.
3: Cool. So. You know, at Pace Funding, I've I've always I've been here five years, and I've always seen such a focus on the contractor level. Um, You know, the way we kind of see it is, you know, a homeowner will bring a deal once in their lifetime, um, or a, a project, and a contractor will bring anywhere from, you know, a couple to a dozen to several hundred. So we, we try to put a, a large focus on them. Um, you know, as Doug mentioned with, with their kind of platform and portal, we have something similar through an app that these contractors can use while, while in home, you know, to very easily check customer eligibility through the application, kind of run the the numbers to see the savings and the benefits, um, on that and kind of tell the story. And, on that note about kind of treating customers it's it's our service level i mean every every contractor has their own account manager um like myself back in the day and like the other 30 40 um reps we have you know and if there's any issue with uh, when the contractor's in home he can call you know this this account manager kind of like on a button they can answer any issues any questions a homeowner might have and we like that personal touch because you don't want to necessarily it feels better calling you to someone you know and you've met with and that's come in and trained your sales team and taking you out to lunch or you know the occasional golf round um as opposed to some you know customer service rep that you've never met or or spoken to before so we we really feel that that personal touch is is important
1: okay sounds good um so uh, we do have a question that is relevant here, but from from the audience. But but what about you? Any any follow ups first?
3: Okay. Uh, actually, I have a question just for both Megan and Doug. Um, I know you guys have sales teams, but I mean, is it kind of allocated by by region, um, or do you guys have more of like a in house kind of sales team? That's remote um, versus you know out there generating business and managing the relationships in in person.
1: But, but Doug, why don't you go first? Yeah,
2: yeah I can jump in there. Um, we so we have a structure that kind of scratches both of those itches, right? I think there's there's different account and partner sizes and business sizes that that require different needs. So uh, we have uh, some, some partners that are handled through an inside team and we have regional uh, servicing there depending on the time zone to help them out. And then we do some periodic, you know, account visits from there. Uh, We also have a face-to-face team that's out and about on larger accounts, Uh, kind of to your answer to your previous question, you know, accounts really like to have that face-to-face sales training, operational support. Um, and if it does feel good in a, you know, end of tail end of COVID world to be getting back and doing those things again. Uh, but yeah, I think you, I think you need both. That's, that's on
1: our side, how we handle it. Okay. Megan, what about you? What does Sonova do?
4: I, first of all, I love that Grayson is also asking questions and learning. This this is and
1: great. You guys too. This is, this I just think, like I just think
4: you guys are great. Um, yeah. great. I, seriously, I, I love this. Um, I love that we're all learning from each other. Yeah. So. Um, So our sales process is um, mostly our dealers do our sales because they know their markets. They can go to people's homes. Although, like Doug said, that's really changed over the past year where people are now doing more things remotely. We also work really hard to generate leads. So we have sort of an inside sales team and and we work to push those leads to our dealers to make sure um, that they have access to really high quality uh, people who are interested in in going solar, and so, um, so yeah, so we're really dependent on on people, on locals who know their market, um, and then we try to support them in any way we can.
0: Hey, by now I'm sure you've probably heard about our mission-minded program, getting your dream job in clean energy in 12 weeks. Our current cohort is giving us great feedback, and kudos I might add, as they go through the material and our coaching calls. You can see more about what this program looks like at suncast.vip. That's our brand-spanking-new webpage to talk about the Mission-Minded Program. That's also where you can send friends, family, neighbors, colleagues that you know who might need a little extra help, a little guidance to find that dream job in clean energy. Our Mission-Minded Program cohort is ongoing right now. We are taking a waiting list for our next cohort I'd encourage you to do two things one send anyone you know that might be interested two those of you who are so inclined please go check out suncast.vip and email me nico at mysuncastcom
1: you know again we are all, all are in this together um, and as as I think Megan pointed out in the beginning you know there is the right financing for different people but at the same time you know we do want to see the differences. And so both consumers and installers will be able to evaluate in this really valuable chat. All right. I'm turning off my timer. Um, I wanted to get to the YouTube question from uh, Thomas on YouTube. Um, No, was it that one? Um, Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a question about um, I'm, I'm not finding it here, but I mean, the, Basically, it was the long tail. Like, how are each of you um, helping the um, uh, the the, the small installers um, to, you know, in in third party financing? I guess here it isn't on on the screen. Seems institutional capital controls deployment of third third party ownership TPO by way of controlling tax equity. Okay, how can a smaller pipeline of of uh, commenced rooftop resi projects, less than 25,000 projects, gain access to, uh, I, I guess, tax equity is <laughs> the question. Anybody want to tackle that? I guess that's more for you, Megan. Yeah.
4: Uh, maybe they mean commercial or commenced. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to gain access to tax equity unless you work with institutional investors. Like you said, um, mosaic years ago had this really interesting model where they tried to crowdfund, um, financing. I think it was, it was a lot of work for, you know, not as much return as they would have liked, but, um, but that, that was a, I thought that was a cool model. Um, right now there's something being discussed in Congress and I feel like it has a very good chance. It's something called a direct pay option for the I.T see. Um, if you were around in the industry back in 2008, you probably remember this. There was something called the Treasury Grant Program, which was a cash grant in lieu of the tax credit. Um, I, I, w- I was working for Solar City at the time, and, and we, we took advantage of that because it was after the, the 2008 economic crisis. Um, so there's, there's a proposal in Congress right now to, to implement direct pay. Um, they're calling it direct pay instead of Treasury Grant. Um, for the ITC, there's different proposals. There's some that are 85% of the value of the ITC if they give you cash. Some are at 100%. But those are those are the two numbers I've heard. Um, and I feel like that has actually a pretty good chance. It won't be in perpetuity, um, but I think we might be able to get it for a couple of years because Congress has really expressed its support for supporting our industry um, and addressing climate change. So, so that's one option. Um, other than that, there. Oh, sorry.
1: Sorry, yeah, that's very useful information, but we got to – yeah, and I didn't give you the – but this was just useful information for everybody good to know. Um, All right, we're going to move on to our next question, and this is one that is – dear to my heart and so I hope you all answer it really well and and that is um we get a lot of people saying that solar is only for rich people especially for utilities that's one of the, their main arguments for trying to kill uh net metering right now um so to each of you um can loans be more inclusive for modern income people uh let's start with Doug this time two minutes Sure.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I, of all the questions you asked, I was actually most excited about this one when I looked at the the sheet coming in and I think Megan hit the nail on the head with the direct pay option. I I really don't think in my opinion, this is a, a lender issue or a financier issue. This is really a subsidy issue because when you, when you think of folks that are in the lower income brackets, you know, you need to be able to monetize the tax credit, to be able to take advantage of multiple types of financing. If you're not able to do that, you're not able to take the tax credit. You're really forced in, in one of two options. You stay with the utility or you go with the PPA. Um, So, I mean, I I really do think this is a legislative issue uh, that needs to to be worked through because there is an inequity. I I know on our side, you can, you can open credit. We've, We've done things and we're in the process of doing some, some pretty major things. Uh, To open up credit as a whole, Um, but really the 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 the, the core issue is that you're you know if you're not able to take the tax credit, you're you're really not a great candidate for for solar ownership in a lot of ways. So you know I think that's a that's a big piece, and the lease can certainly be a, a band aid in the short term for the folks that are interested in that, but it's not always the the most flexible way to kind of future proof your energy usage, and we really do push folks in a, in a direction, uh, in the current program. We, I've seen some States have a version of this. I, I believe Hawaii has a version of this with their state tax credit and it's been well, well received and, and, and largely successful when you look at their their adoption rates there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's ultimately comes down to legislative issues. So I'm hoping for some positive things there.
1: Okay. Uh, with 10 seconds to spare, uh, over to you, Grayson. Um, so how is PACE uh, going to help the uh, narrow the income gap, as it were, for solar?
3: So I'm, I'm glad Doug wasn't the only one excited for this question. Uh, uh, that was a really good question. So yeah, traditionally speaking, in this matter, if you can afford an electric bill, then kind of reducing or eliminating that monthly cost over time by going, solar shouldn't be an issue. But one of the biggest issues uh, kind of in the home improvement space as a whole is you know getting people approved, getting people qualified, um, and helping someone on the finance side help you know get them approved, kind of be a mediator. Um, so the majority of you know traditional finance companies out there draw a line at bad credit or bad DTI debt to income, um, and usually only allow one cosigner. Um, whereas with Pace, I mean we we look at household income. So we can allow multiple contributors um, to help get qualified. Um, and adding to this, I mean, lower income families tend to have lower FICO scores, which you know, could quickly eliminate, eliminate them from other finance companies. But we at, at PACE don't look at FICO as kind of a requirement to get approved. You know, It's more like been on time with your house payments, you have the equity and, and the income, which we're, we're talking about now. Um, but it definitely gives more opportunities for these lower income families and households to, to go solar. You know, more people living there, equals higher utility usage, higher electric bills. So yeah, we, we, we're proud of the fact that we, we help out these homeowners for fair amount.
1: Okay. 30 seconds to spare. You want to reserve that time, Grayson, for later? I will, I will add it. Uh, okay. Uh, Megan. Over to you. What about you and us uh, and Sonova trying to narrow this to come for solar?
4: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's critical that all homeowners have access to solar because of the savings um, and the increase in home value um, with PPAs. Like I said, we are able to claim the ITC that um, that people are not able to claim. And if you're lower income on a fixed income um, older and you don't have the tax appetite, a PPA is a really good option because um, that way you don't have to claim the, the ITC yourself. Um, at the same time, LBNL came up with a really good study recently. They showed that um, its third-party ownership is really increasing the um, the adopter um, ad- adopters for um, for solar, and mostly the downward trend in incomes is associated with third-party ownership. Um, so right now, across the U.S., I think something like twenty percent. Uh, solar adopters are less than 80% of area median income and 42% are less than 120%. And that's for the most part um, because of third-party ownership options, because financing like third-party ownership, PPAs make solar a lot more accessible for people. Um, and so as you decrease the incomes for people um, that can go solar, obviously it makes it more accessible. And what we've seen with the data, what the data shows is that um, over time, the, the, the income of people who are able to purchase their system is, has stayed the same. Um, but for third-party ownership, that continues to decrease. And so we're, we're serving more and more low-income customers. Um, at the same time, um, I don't know how much time I have, uh, Thirty seconds. So at the same time, states and fe- the federal government are looking into programs as they as they should. Um, there was just a report looking at forty different state programs that help serve low income customers um, with solar. And I know the federal government is looking into various options um, to make sure that we we expand accessibility um, and make it more more equitable. So so there's a lot that's going to happen, but I we've done a lot to improve um, over time thanks to third party ownership.
1: Perfect. Um- Anybody have any responses to
2: that? Yeah, I have, I guess, two kind of points there. I think one, I think as a a lending group, as a whole, there's this big uh, kind of talk track around getting folks approved. And I think it's important for consumers to get what they want. And if they want to go solar, um, they should be able to. But the consumer advocate in me, it just has a problem with kind of looking at, at traditional underwriting and just kind of throwing that aside, particularly in, in ways that attach like strong liens to your property in the, in the case of like a pace loan. So I think the the problem there is if, if you're not able to, to actually take the ITC and, and realize some sort of benefit there, you know, you're, you're really stuck. And I think that's a major problem. The, the environmentalist in me is let's just get solar out there however we can. But, you know, the person that's really focused on equality, I just have a lot of kind of you know, internal conflict on getting folks approved for solar when, you know, they're not a, able to afford it or too really able to, to take all the benefits that they should.
1: Let, let me ask um, each of you, do you feel like um, converting the, uh, ITC the, invest, the solar investment tax credit to grants would just be better for for all of your financing programs. I mean, um, they did that earlier, as as Megan pointed out, uh, right after 2009, I guess, in the uh, in the Recovery Act. Um, but what what do you say to just having cash grants um, to everybody, uh, regardless of their um, invest and their tax equity? Appetite.
2: Yeah, I'll go first. I think that would be great. I think it levels the playing fields, the playing field in a lot of ways for for folks. And I think at the end of the day, that's really as an industry, I think we should be focusing on is trying to to have mass adoption of solar. It's good for our business owners. It's good for our planet. It's good for our consumers. So I think putting putting the dollars in their hands would would be the best way to do it.
1: Megan, um, any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, I I should have specified. So if you're watching this, I'm sure you know the investment tax credit, well, so there's a commercial investment tax credit and a residential investment tax credit, right? So they're the same right now, but eventually, as they step down, if nothing changes, although I think it will, nothing changes com- the commercial tax credit as a permanent 10% ITC and, and the residential doesn't. Um, but, uh, but since there's that distinction made, um, Congress is also making that distinction on the direct pay side. And right now, from what I've heard, there's only conversations about offering direct pay for the commercial. ITC to help, basically to help raise tax equity. So for tax equity providers, um, there's fewer conversations happening on the residential ITC. And, and and I've asked about that because once again, we offer loans. Um, and there just doesn't seem to be the same appetite in Congress for that. Um, so just thinking through, you know, what should be and then what's likely to be and what, and what could be, um, that's sort of where things stand right now.
1: Okay. Thanks. All right. Uh, unless... You have anything burning to say, Grayson, should we move on?
3: No, nothing burning. I, I mean, I agree with them. You know, if we can get it out more to more people, you know, I think it's just it's better. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree.
1: Okay. All righty. Uh, moving on. Um, so we've talked about the value to the solar homeowner. But what about later um, when it's time to sell? which of your financings is the best uh, for for the seller and the buyer um, when that transaction happens um, after the solar has been installed for whatever, one year? In some cases, it could be 10 years in in other cases. So, um, Grayson, we'll start with uh, Pace. What do you say?
3: So, yeah, they're our different school of thoughts on this topic, whether it's best to, you know, transfer it or pay it off at the time you sell the home. Uh, my opinion, I think it's paying it off is the easiest route to take. I mean, solar increases the value of the home, you know, because electro- electricity is cheaper. Um, and when you add the cost of the solar to the home value when selling it, you know, it, it makes it makes financial sense. Um, and, you know, there's we understand at Pace that people do pay these things off early. Uh, so that's why we offer like no prepayment penalties. You do it in chunks. You can do it kind of as a whole. Um, but kind of also going back to what Doug mentioned of just about finding the best loan for each person. I mean, I'm not here to obviously cram pace loans down everyone's throats, but um, everyone's situation is different. So, you know, if a homeowner came to me and say, hey, I'm looking for solar, um, but I'm going to sell my house in, you know, six months or 12 months or even shorter than that, like I would, I would steer them maybe toward unsecured financing, just because with PACE, you know, there's inherently more origination fees. Um, so at the end of the day, it just comes out to coming being the best option for everyone's situation in their own kind of situation. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. You have another 30 seconds added to your time. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, Megan, what, what, what say you? I, I know there's a, a, a contract and it has to be, you know, that's what you're doing when you sign a PPA. So it's usually for 20 years. Um, people are kind of, that's, that's a difficult transfer sometimes they say. So what, what's your response to that?
4: Yeah, our contracts are actually twenty five years. Although I think we have a ten year loan. Um, so our contracts are twenty five years, and we fully expect people to sell the house with the solar on it a number of times within that contract. So we've we have a um, a customer care team that's that's well trained in um, in making sure they know how to do these transfers. I, I I heard a story once where one realtor was so thankful at how easy the process was, and was so grateful to our customer care person that she sent her flowers um, and thank you. But there's there's a number of other benefits too because PPAs increase your home value. They lock in your energy rates, so you can tell the person buying the home what they'll be paying for energy, and that can be really attractive to them. Once again, it comes with a warranty, a service, a production guarantee, um, and then, like I said, there's always the buyout option or the buy down option if that works for you better. Um, and then the prospective buyer, when they when they take over the system, they don't have the hassle of figuring out how to deal with broken or underperforming system. Um, so even if those products have a manufacturer's warranty, it could be really tricky getting the manufacturer to come out and make the repair. It could be tricky even getting through to them. So if you have a full service provider, um, like with a PPA loan or lease, if you have service with it, that will take care of the full system, um, when someone buys a house, the they can take care of that for them. So that person can work on painting the back bedrooms, fixing fixing the leaking faucet, uh, repairing a fence. And the solar system isn't something they have to think about, while at the same time, they still have a lower cost of energy.
1: Okay. We're reserving 30 seconds for Megan as well, so you guys can talk even more. Uh, Doug, finally... Um, you know, it's probably an even simpler process for loans, but why don't you, yeah, talk about that in, in this uh, the home selling process?
2: Yeah, I th- really, the only time this becomes an issue for us is when the title company tells us the day before closing. <laughs> <Right>? So, <laughs> aside from that, the, to transfer a solar loan is is a really simple process. Um, this includes things like refinancing, sales, all those types of transactions that that homeowners go through. You know i think where we shine on our side is is making that process easy it's easy to navigate it's it's flexible homeowners can just pay the loan off they can transfer it to the to the new homeowner and uh you know it, it just makes the transaction which can be a stressful time in someone's life going through a sale and purchase of a home a lot easier uh you know one one question that One common theme that I've seen is that, you know, owning the solar does add value. And I've had a pretty mixed results on folks saying that, you know, PPAs add value to the home. So, you know, I've just generally found that folks have a little bit more equity in the home or some added value they can use uh, in the instances they want to pay the loan off. Uh, another huge advantage is our terms are shorter. So you know while you may do this several times in a 25 year lease or you know I'm not sure what what term is, is you know popular with Grayson and, and his, his pace customers, but on our side, you know a lot of folks do five and ten 15 year loans, and generally then you go through that one time and it's and it's done. So uh, I think that's that's important to note. Uh, also, appraisers, I found, have generally gotten their heads wrapped around solar. Um, not every appraiser has been quick to, to get on the train of how to appraise a home with solar. And, uh, you know, as that's continuing to get better, I sold my home. It was a really easy process to have solar on top, and I definitely got a premium when I, when I uh, sold it.
1: Perfect. Um, so we have a great question, I, I think, from a small installer, uh, Jax, on YouTube. He says uh, many, uh, and I'm I'm assuming he's meaning uh, loan uh, companies require you to have done a half a million dollars or more in sales before you can offer a loan. But not offering loans hinders that growth. And yet the installer isn't the one being financed. As long as they can show they have completed projects properly, why have that high sales Requirement, it, and I don't know if this is the same for PPA providers as well and for Pace. But um, let's let's start with you, uh, Doug, and and then we'll go through everybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, what you're describing there really is the the long tail of the of the industry, right? There are thousands of contractors across the U.S. that are of this size, whether it be they do solar as a secondary product or, you know, they're just a small company starting out. So um, I know that on, on our side, we look at every partner uniquely and individually. Um, We, we have a different vetting criteria for smaller startup businesses than we do large, Um, or at least we, we scrutinize them in a slightly different way. Um, So we have a lot of installers that are, that are newer startup companies um and a lot of it really has to do with just the track record of that business owner you know have they owned businesses in the past um do they themselves have a good good credit score um you know we, there's a lot of things we can look at to to facilitate so um i would say you know give us a call
1: <laughs> okay uh Sounds good. So maybe, you know, your loan company um, like SunGage, will be able to work with you somehow. And yeah, that's a high bar and in my uh, perspective about this. And I've been in the industry for 10 years. It, it does show a, a certain level of experience. So um, it's you know, it shows that you've done a number of installations that this is going to be a good thing to finance. Um, so I'll, I'll, whether it's PPAs, PACE or loans, Um Megan, let's go to you. What, what do you say about that?
4: Um, so, yes. Yeah, so we offer loans and as as well as PPAs. Like I said, we um, we work with over five hundred dealers across the country and are adding more every single day. Um, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't know what our partner review committee looks at when they when they're looking at partners. I know we 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 like Doug said we look at your credit and and, and this and the systems you've done, um, but I also know that we really want to work with more dealers. Um, and if, so if you know your market and you're great at your market, we'd love it if you reached out um, to talk to us about potentially partnering with us.
1: Sounds good, uh, Grayson.
3: Yeah. So. At Pace, we we don't really require any any sales volumes, realistically. I mean, we do check you know, their CSLB or their license track record, depending on what state they're in, just to make sure, you know, no big violations or um, things of that nature. But I mean, realistically, a contractor could have started their business, you know, a week ago, and as long as they're licensed, insured, and bonded, they can work with us. I mean we all here on this call understand that the value of financing, um, and we, we kind of take it, take it a step further for, you know, those new business owners or installers that, you know, they get set up and don't have to jump through a thousand hoops to offer financing to maybe even their first customer, their first appointment. Um, so yeah, we're not super stringent on that. Um, it's obviously a fine balance, but, um, yeah, no specific sales volume requirements to to work with Pace.
1: Uh, great, and um, we are running a little short on time, but I, I do kind of want to get to this question because I think it's an important one from Ben on uh, on uh, YouTube, who wants to ask uh, Megan um, with PPAs. Um, versus without an escalator clause and how these clauses sometimes result in homeowners paying more for solar electricity when the retail costs don't rise. So a lot of times, you know, you're anticipating the rise in energy costs and um, a lot of PPAs have a that that three percent escalator. Um, So, Megan, did we just lose you? Oh crap! <laughs> uh, you
4: you
3: know, Tor. There was a question above um, while Megan's off because it's a PPA related by uh, yeah. Perez Rivera, kind mm-hmm. of about other energy efficient products and services. Did you guys see that question?
1: No, but go ahead. Um,
3: yeah, it was. It, it was a great question, um, and obviously, I love to answer it because you know we we're not sure. only solar financing. You know, Pace was designed to look at a home and say, "Okay, what what can what what can we consider to be energy efficient?" Obviously, solar is a no brainer, and it's definitely our, our most popular product. But I mean, you can do energy efficient windows, you know, cool roofs, um, energy storage, the batteries, um, HVAC, cool wall coating. I mean, there's so many products that you can finance that are considered you know energy efficient. Um, under kind of pace requirements, and obviously, you know, the more efficient a home is outside of you know potential solar panels, it just makes everything much cleaner. Um, I mean, lowers you know utility utility bills even more, um, and not only electricity, but we're talking water savings as well. We can finance drought tolerant landscaping. You know, if a customer wants turf in the front yard or or pavers and any sort of drought tolerant landscape we can finance so it's like on both sides saving electricity on their solar and on their water costs so yeah we look at kind of everything as a whole and we finance multiple projects sometimes in one for one homeowner at a time so
1: Thanks, Grace. Um, Megan, I don't know if you can quickly answer this question, but uh, there was this question about escalators, and sometimes those escalators go uh, are, are more expensive than um, the actual utility rate uh, rises. Uh, so, h- how do you guys respond to that?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. We are we are constantly monitoring the markets where we offer solar and our escalators um, versus the utility rate escalators, and we um, we're really particular about making sure that they stay lower than the utility escalator. So we look at historical data really closely to to manage what our what our prices are because obviously we want to be competitive compared to the utility um, and then as as rates go up, both for us and for the utility, we make sure we're still competitive.
1: Excellent. okay, uh, we gotta quickly move to the last question, and um, that that's about the general industry. I mean, we've talked about what's good for installers, what's good for consumers Um, for this one, and we're not gonna have any time for follow-up. So this kind of your closing statements. Why is your type of financing the best for growing the entire solar industry across the US? There's a lot of states that are just, you know, have very few installations and we've got to reach them too. Um, We're gonna go with uh, Megan first.
4: All right, I'm gonna talk fast. So third-party ownership, um, PPAs expand the number of homeowners who have access to solar, including low and moderate income customers. Um, You can also take underperforming markets like Florida used to be. And once third-party ownership is offered, um, solar can really take off. Uh, it also PPAs increase accessibility to solar while also allowing consumers to to participate in broader energy markets, which is something I didn't have time to get into before. Um, but basically, because we have a twenty five year relationship with the customer, as new as new tech options become available, so storage, for example, and anything else that comes up, we can retrofit your system and and manage the entire system. Um, help you if you want to. Um, Make sure that you have you have energy if your if your power goes out regularly. For example, like happens in Puerto Rico, um, we also can facilitate our customers participating in other types of programs. Um, there's one called Connected Solutions in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, where customers there, you know, through us get an extra credit on their bills and additional value because we help sort of manage the the fleet and the aggregate of the systems. Um, we're also participating in ISO New England and 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 um, sending energy. Um, in sending energy there. And we can do that once again, because we can aggregate a number of systems and that's an an additional benefit for customers, which is really valuable because as we have more conversations around net metering and what the net metering credit is, as utilities keep pushing to lower the net metering credit, you want to find other ways to to monetize the value of your system. And you want to make sure someone's managing that for you. Someone's making sure you can participate in those programs. Someone can install storage for you. Make sure your system is, is producing the way it should. Fix it if it's not. Um, and at some point, you know, in maybe not the too distant future, you will want to cut the cord um, and not use your current utility as your provider, in which case you're going to need a broader service provider who can, um, who can make sure that your system is functioning, that um, you have access to power um, all, 100% of the time. And so, um, so there's there's a lot of exciting things happening now, and there's a lot of exciting things happening in the future that will allow you to monetize what you're doing if you if you work with a provider who offers um, financing and, and both service.
1: Perfect. Okay, uh, Doug, uh, your, your final thoughts on growing solar across the U.S. with uh, loans?
2: Yeah, I, I think to Megan's point about kind of future-proofing the homeowner's energy needs and, 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 you know, what their future is going to look like is, is kind of a key part that I think the loan does a great job at mainly because it provides you a flexibility to add uh, features to the system pretty easily. So, you know, when I, when you look at the the history of the consumer, it's kind of where I started off, uh, you know, solar felt very perplexing. And uh, I think because of that, we saw third-party ownership really peak uh, in 2014 and consumers have have just started to see more options out there. So consumers want options, and they and they want the thing that's going to provide them the most value. And and the reality of value and how most of our partners sell it is based off of the savings. And there's really no better way to to get the savings that that you want than than to own it, right? So uh, I, I think that's important. Uh, Two you know, as asset classes uh, of solar have more time on the books we 're finding that they 're really, really resilient, and, and what that means to consumers is it 's a lower cost of capital, more folks are willing to throw their money into uh, to a, a, an investment that includes a solar portfolio and through loans that 's where the consumer uh, is is trending, and they 're to're able to kind of get those out to the market in a really easy way. So you know I really do think that the 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 numbers speak for where the consumer is going. So you know watching solar continue to rise from a from a, a power source and watching the consumer choose solar loans um, I, for me is just really kind of telling of of the future. and as this asset class continues to perform, there's going to be more and more robust financing available to to help uh, stir that growth.
1: Great. All right. Grayson, you're going to get the final word here. Uh, what about PACE? How is it going to scale across the, the solar industry?
3: So, you know, PACE being a relatively newer program, you know, to the solar industry, um, first started in California, then moved to Florida, then Missouri, there's another state coming around the corner. Um, but yeah, in the States, we do offer, we make it super simple for, for contractors to use us, um, especially right out of the gates, you know, starting business like I mentioned and kind of easy, even easier for homeowners to qualify, um, not looking at, you know, FICO score uh, approval percentage is right around 75%, so it's you know, I can boast it's it's pretty high um, allowing more people to you know, go green um, go renewable with solar and it allows people not to worry so much about their approval lots, you know, they can focus on just the the product and and it's benefits itself. Um, Tying back to what I said earlier too, having the ability to get solar with, with no debt, you know, it'd be more like a tax assessment on the property with other tax benefits, not only the tax credit we've talked about, but, you know, potentially writing off the interest of these, uh, these loans can be huge for people. Um, And then, as I mentioned before, no money out of pocket up until 18 months, you know, you're combining with your property taxes, you know, your bill's already there. This just gets added to it. So homeowners do kind of love the idea of that, but yeah, we try to give the customer the most of what they want and keep that relationship strong. Because as I mentioned from one of the YouTube questions, you know, we don't only finance solar. I mean, there's a plenty of other products out there that are energy efficient and help in the general cause that we all, love so much and it's better for the environment so yeah the roofing the cool wall hvac literally any energy efficient home improvement we we can do um in combination with with the solar so yeah we're in the business of making homes green um And with the support of other products, we that argument stronger um, and makes the solar production even cleaner. So it's better for the homeowner. It's better for the community and overall better for our our world.
1: Great. Wow. Everybody, this is it. That's the end of our debate. But we've got Nico to come and wrap it all up. Uh, I want to personally thank you thank you all and uh, Nico, come on stage and um, tell us what everybody's won. No, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, he's what trying. a fantastic,
0: what a fantastic discussion! We'll take this moment to say once again thanks to Grayson, Megan, and Doug for taking the chance uh, to join us here on stage out of your no doubt very very busy day. We're so uh, grateful and indebted to your organization, Space Funding, Sonova, and SunGage. Uh, I will now turn to you, the audience, as we say goodbye to Grayson, Megan, Doug, and. Tor, the debate is not yet over. I would like to say thank you to you, Tor, for moderating such a lively debate, such a personal and fluid job that you've done today. I have to say my job as a moderator is truly in jeopardy, my friend. Thank you. All right. As I said, the debate is not over. Next, uh, you get to decide who won this great debate. We invite you to go over to mysuncast.com forward slash debate, mysuncast.com forward slash debate. That's where you'll see a poll from Mr. Tor Solar Fred on his Twitter profile, and you can vote on who won the debate. And uh, now a a quick reminder as well, we have four more of these uh, coming up. You can check out that link that we've just mentioned, mysuncast.com forward slash debate. Save the day for our upcoming debates and access all the other great content that is a part of the Smart America Energy or the Smart Energy Week Road. To New Orleans, Smart Energy Week is helping bring the Great Debate Series to you as a part of their road to New Orleans. So you can check out the SolarPowerInternational.com website as well for more information on that. Our next debate topic, which will be led as well by Tor and myself, is all about net energy metering. What is the value of net metering, and does it provide value to all ratepayers and utilities? You can follow at SolarFred and at My Suncast on Twitter for details on the debaters, the dates and more coming soon more importantly go ahead and block out june 23rd at 2 p.m for the next great debate i would like to make a very special thank you to our production team alex mario and glenda johnson you guys are amazing as well as our partners at solar power events for helping make this first installment of the great solar debate 2021 possible If you'd like to partner with us in forthcoming segments in any way, including suggesting topics, as we still have a couple that we are fine-tuning and polishing, please reach out, Nico at MySuncast, or you can fill out the inquiry form on the link that you see scrolling along the bottom right here. Uh, One last thing. Our final debate is going to be broadcast live. I know this is live, but I mean real-life live, not live stream. (laughs) I mean on a stage in New Orleans at Solar Power ESI and Smart Energy Week 2021. Tor and I are definitely gonna be there and I hope to see you all in person in the Big Easy. That's a wrap on this conversation, Warrior, but I do hope that we'll see you back here on Thursday for this week's long form interview. I also encourage you to check out other episodes of Suncast and let me know what you think of these shorter form discussions. Do you want more like this? We've got hundreds of episodes, resources, and highlights from these discussions, along with the social media links for each episode guest, book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with our Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly tribe exclusive emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle of infinite learners and clean economy champions we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I do so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. And a special thank you to our sponsors who helped make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor, as well as learn more about becoming a sponsor if that's something that you're interested in. You can follow the links there as well to any of the offers that we've discussed about any of our sponsors here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.